thank you, North Central University, for the invitation for Anita and I to attend this wonderful, wonderful moment in your school calendar. And we're praying, of course, this will be life-changing forever, this time now. Uh, Ashley and Liz, can you raise your hands? They are back there. They're colleagues at the Europe table. Uh, they're, uh, they're going to do what we felt called to so long ago, and they're going to work with Students for Christ and plant the Christian flag among the post-Christian people of Europe, and this will be a challenge. They need your financial support, and on the other side of the coin, they need your prayer support. Believe me. And on the Europe table will be this Students for Christ little card with a QR code on the back that would access then the Students for Christ website for Europe. Now, if you'll get out your device, please, and go to the App Store and type in and find this, find what's up on the screen, Operation World. Please type that into your device. This will be a prayer guide that was founded by a British man, Patrick Johnstone, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago. It's in the seventh edition of, in, a, in paper, paperback format. They don't know they'll ever make an eighth edition. It wouldn't, it'd be way too big because so many uh, national churches around the world are having their own missionary programs and also because of the sensitivity that we have in this country, which is in this world, which is in such upheaval. Uh, they have to be very careful uh, what they would put so that the enemy, who's loose for just a little while, but Jesus put his foot on his neck. And when Jesus blasted out of the tomb, Satan knew it was over. There's a wonderful thing by a German scholar on VE Day and VJ Day, and you need to hear about that. And so when they landed at Normandy at World War II, and you should go up to that high ground above at Omaha Beach and see 6,000. 6,000 headstones in perfect symmetry in any direction. And they're your age. Their name is on the stone. Their age is on the stone. They have a cross, which I don't know if they do anymore, and a few stars of David. And you stand on his hallowed ground, and you realize they gave their life. So they come under enemy fire when they come out of those those uh, ships that came from England and the front went down and they, they died in the water so overloaded with ammunition and gear. But they, the war was over when they took the land at Omaha and Juneau and soared beaches. And the, the evidence is still there and there's things still out in the water. They're so huge that they can't get rid of them and you can go there and you'll never forget it. This is just a matter of time before they marched into Berlin and the war was over. And so when Jesus came out of that tomb, the war was over. But we're still fighting the war, but it's over. 
And he gives you the power. And he gives you the anointing. And he, and he gives you free will. And it's up to you to decide if your desires that could be good or evil, and if they're evil, you're so consumed by them that you don't even know that you have a will. That's the world that lives in utter darkness. But we that have had the opportunity and the privilege and the gift of faith to acknowledge God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then to believe. And then to be in fellowship, in community, in the body of Christ. This is so precious. You still have the freedom in this country to meet like this and worship like you did and learn what you're learning. And you go out according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, which is a meaning for Chi Alpha, that's the Greek letters, for Christ ambassador. And he's entrusted to you entrust this message of reconciliation because the image was broken in the garden. We, Adam and Eve, couldn't keep one law. There was only one rule, and they couldn't even keep one. And the image is forever broken. Read these marvelous books by Matthew Bates. Be a reader. Be a student of the word. My son-in-law sometimes reads the Bible through in two weeks. Two weeks. If you give a non-Christian the book, they think it's a book. And they just start it at the beginning and they read it through. And if you give them a New Testament, they'll come back in two days and say, I read that book you gave me. And we don't even think that way. And it just takes you minutes to read the letters in the New Testament. Just minutes. So God, give us this love. For him, for his word, for his presence, for his will. And then you'll be whole. And don't we all want to be healed and whole? You'll be whole. You'll be whole. You'll be free. You'll have peace. You'll have the joy, which is a condition. It's not just an emotion. And you'll long for his presence. And just as he prophetically said here, it's not just incredible worship, but then when you're all alone in that bed at night, when you and those fears and anxieties start to crowd in on you, there's the Lord. When I share with students around the world, I say, you may not believe like I believe, or you may laugh at what I'm going to tell you, or you may call it a myth or a fairy tale, but it's not. But I'll stake my life on it. But I can tell you, I'll never be alone again for the rest of my life. So this is a prayer guide. I've been praying this for, who knows, 20, 30 years. 
When I get up in the morning and get ready to go out, obviously we, we, we do the toiletries, we do the food, we do obviously get dressed with clothes, and we walk out the door to face the world. I do not walk out the door before I've read Operation World. I do not walk out the door before I have read the Anglican Book of Prayer and the daily prayers of the New Testament, the Old Testament, the, the Scripture, the Psalms, and have prayed. I do not walk out the door before I've read in the Word because I'm not ready to walk out the door. So that means I go to bed at night, which is not what you wanted to hear. Because you love to stay up late, so you don't want to miss anything. But it affects your grades and it affects your health, and now I talk like an old man, which I am. But you need to get your sleep. So you can be wanting to get up in the morning and do these things. And so right now, because there's not 365 countries in the, in the world, we're, we're praying through the continents. So if you have this on your device, I pray as, as it'll change every single day that you will pray, that you will read. So if I ever came back here, I would hand you all a blank map of the world, and I'd say, fill it in. And I've had people tell me, I know every capital city of the world in the countries. And I said, okay, tell me about Eritrea. What's the capital of Eritrea? And the gentleman said, Asmara. I said, I'm not going to ask you anymore. Because he was correct. And so we're world Christians, even if we never leave Hennepin County. We are people that are compassionate and pray and give. And the true giving, as David Grant would share with you if he was standing here, is take that big old-fashioned offering plate and set it down in the aisle like he did when he was a young guy. And he, it, was, it was to put your money in that God has entrusted you with, by the way. But he just put it down in the aisle, and he stepped into it. Step into the offering plate and give your life to God. I don't know how many of you will follow this, because it's really impossible to tell somebody what to do. That's how we're made. But I pray that somehow the Spirit of God will move on your heart that's not a heart of stone but a heart of God in your body. And you will pray. And there will be moments when you'll start to weep. And you'll get an understanding and a knowledge of this world and its needs. And, and, and as far as I can tell from the countries I've visited, it's very, very well written. Operation World. Thank you for putting it into your cell phone. So let's back up a slide to the scripture. There we go. This is my theme. This is why I try to be. I got five minutes and 48 seconds, and my wife's going to come up here, and she's going to teach you on how you can be a world Christian from Hennepin County or to the far corners of the earth. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. I assume I'm talking primarily here or 100% to believers that have made a decision 
to let Jesus be your Savior, and then the issue comes, and that's called letting him be Lord. And that is called trust. And it took me years, even as an AG kid, as somebody's of God kid. It took me even years, even coming to North Central Bible College before you even begin to be thought to be born. But I came with a bad attitude, and I didn't learn anything. So it's all about your attitude. It's all about who you decide you want to be, even as you sit here and listen to me talk. So today may be your moment, and I'm praying that it is for every one of you, to make that true conversion and go, and not in this direction, dealing with God, straddling the fence, but saying, no, no, God, you are God. Jesus, you are Lord. That's when Christianity becomes really true, and you can say, I'm a Christian. If you're not in some kind of a discipleship process, as Matthew 28 tells you, and Jesus didn't suggest, but commanded, you need to think about where you truly stand in terms of being a follower of Christ. So since then, you've been raised with Christ. You set your hearts on things above. You can figure out what things above might mean. As Dallas Willard would say, we're all trying to get modern in our, uh, and try to be current. Or is there enough evidence to convict by the world that you're a Christian? He says, so you want to do this and you want to do that and you don't want all this legalism and all that stuff. I agree with all that. I was raised in that. But he says, just tell me what you're going to replace it with. If you cut off some stuff, what are you going to replace it with? So that's why my house doesn't have a television. I don't have time for it. I've never paid a penny for any kind of, uh, of uh, cable service. Because I am trying to set my heart reading, set my mind on Christ Jesus. I am trying to fill my heart with First Thessalonians chapter 5.17 and pray without ceasing. I'm trying to obey, so I read a little portion of Andrew Murray. These books are free on obedience or humility or abiding in Christ. And I can only read so much in a day, and that's all I can handle. But I am deliberately going to try and seek to set my heart and mind on Christ Jesus. So that means you've died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Well... He's your life. And you're going to appear with him. He's invited you to his home forever. That's incredible. The governor of Minnesota has never gotten hold of me and said, come on and stay at my place for a while. I'd love to have you. But he said, please vote for me so I can stay in power. I use the word power deliberately. So you put to death then. Ooh. Ooh. I did that at about age 23, 24. So I got married about thir- 29 years and 11 months to my precious wife. I robbed the cradle. She's much younger than I am. I wasn't ready a day before 29 years and 11 months because I was trying to do it on my own. 
Young people, that won't work. Do not waste another minute of your life. Let's look at the uh, map of Europe. There's Europe. We live in Heidelberg, Germany. We'll fly back on Thursday. We'll arrive, take the train and the streetcar and the bus. I don't even have a driver's license in Germany. It's so full of people. I don't even have a car. And I'll be back in the country where we went to 43 years ago. Speak their language, understand some of their culture, and enjoy the best bread in the world. And that's where I'll be. It's my home, a bedroom in my son's house. I've died with Christ. And what the world values is not my value. My values are that Germany with 60, 70, 80 cities or France. Look at the map. That need a witness on the university where the people are deciding a career. They're, they're, they're probably going to find a life's mate. And we call that in a Christian context, a husband or a wife. They're going to be setting their, their worldview is being shaped. And we're going to help them know about Jesus. So you look at Europe, and we have 14, 15 countries where Students for Christ is. But we could use every single person in this place and set you in a country or a city where you could share Jesus. Come on up here, Nita, and sh help them to know what they can do and how they can go there and be effective. It takes discipline. It takes the right heart. It takes flexibility. It takes, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. Because I don't care if you remember our name for anything, I want you to remember Jesus. And he's calling you today to a life that you could never do on your own. But through your life and your obedience, you can change this world in the power of God. And we thought we would just add on to this a brief um, description of, the, of what we train, how we train our missionaries, because even though you're, many of you will not be missionaries, you will not be going, be sent by a church overseas in a different culture, every single one of us are witnesses in this world. And the witness that they're going to see, the witness they're going to see is what you are, because there are many people in the world who know no other believers, your neighbors, your, your roommates, hopefully not your roommates, but let's, let's just look at this first and I'm just going to whip through this really quickly because we are concentrating on competencies. Who do you have to be? What do you need to know in order to be a good witness? So these are the things that we train our global workers in. The first one is this man with a heart. That's about the best drawing I can do, sorry. But this is a man or a woman with a heart. This is a person. And in the middle it says the T-O-M, the Theology of Mission. And one of the most important things that we need to learn how to live with is the fact that this world is lost. 
and the people that you are encountering, encountering at the grocery store, on the street, wherever you are going, are lost without Jesus. And often in our world today, we think, oh, there's many ways to Jesus, or maybe it really doesn't happen. They won't really go to hell if they don't know Jesus, but that is not our biblical belief. So God has a heart to reach this world, the lost in this world, and he's calling every single one of us to have his heart. That's part of who we are as believers. And then, in the next one, there's a lot of different things you need to know, right? You want to eventually be able to speak the language if you, if you are a missionary, but you need to know the, what the culture is. Who are these secular people? Who are the nonverts? Have you heard of that term? Who are the nonverts in the world? And why have they left the church? Who are the secularists? Who are the humanitarians? Who are, what is the worldview of the people around you? You need to be able to understand what that is. And so that you can share the good news and you can disciple and teach and plant churches and train leadership and serve. We're all called to do that. Uh, the next slide. So if you're going to be doing these things, if you're going to be uh, sharing the good news and discipling and church planting, you have to have a certain amount of head knowledge. So like John said, you need to be reading, you need to be thinking, you need to be learning. What, when you graduate from this school, you are not done learning. This is just sort of the foundation. So do a good job here so you can build on the foundation. But you're going to have to know the Bible. You're going to have to know the cultures. You're going to need to take uh, Phil's religion class. What is the name of that class? World Religions? World Religions class. You're going to need to take, uh, know something about the history of the place where you're at. You need to know the culture. You need to have some understanding of how to take your good news and make it understandable to the people, which is what we call ministry in context. And then, of course, there's also this small thing of how we actually live our lives. When you are doing your finances at the banking, when you are buying your groceries, when you, every place you go, you are a prophetic word to the world. Do you have a smile on your face? Do you have empathy in your eyes? Do you greet that woman in the grocery store with her, with her uh, dark covering on? How are you addressing the world around you? You never go out thinking, it's just me, I'm just running an errand. You are on an errand for Jesus. And in your attitude, in the way that you act and treat other people, if you're driving down the road and somebody cuts into you, what do you do? Are you a person of grace? Are you a person of integrity? Are you a person of, are you, maybe this is the wrong term for all these men sitting there, but are you a sweet person? Or are you nasty? You know, what kind of a person are you? So you need to have this balanced life, this, this uh, spiritual life, full of character, the Holy Spirit, and everything you do needs to reflect that. And then, of course, you need to have skills. Now, how do you share? How do you teach? How do you disciple others? Every single one of you is called to disciple others. And so that just brings it all together that you need to be competent. You need to have a theology of mission. You need to have God's heart. You need to have 
the ability to understand the culture and the people around you. You need to know the Bible from the beginning to the end. We always encourage our global workers to read the Bible through at least twice a year. If you've never read it from cover to cover, make that a, an annual habit, if not a biannual habit, so that you know the full worldview of the scripture and not just maybe the Good Samaritan and Daniel in the lion's den and the little stories that maybe make your heart feel good now and then. You need to be adapting and adopting uh, the worldview of the world, of, of the Bible. So we would just encourage you to not go out unprepared. This, the, God can only use what you've put in your heart. Yeah, sometimes he makes the stones cry out, but I want to be more than a stone. So, John, where did you go? He wants going to finish this up. There you are. Musicians, please. If God's calling you to uh, specifically what he called us to, I've never pastored a church. I did student ministry, and I still do. All over the world. My 25th wedding anniversary, I'm in Siberia, alone. Out in the great forests of that country above Mongolia. Near Novosibirsk and Novokuznetsk and Tomsk and On, Kemerovo, the Kuzbas region. It took me weeks to learn how to say all those words, by the way. They're not normally in my brain. The people that would come seven hours by bus and come to the meeting from Krasnyarsk to Kemerovo. And then they would uh, take a night train back and they would travel 15 hours just to be with believers. There's people in this audience that have friends that are in prison in North Africa right now. I remember in Tokyo, Japan, talking to a young man from Eritrea. And I remember his luminous, beautiful, deep brown eyes. And he talked to me about this little country by Egypt and Sudan and Djibouti. And he said, my pastor's in prison. <laughs> and he's going to die there. Well, he's just going to move on to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's going to be welcomed home and hear the words we all long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. And at my age, in my 80s, I'm just that close to going home. I'm not trying to be dramatic, that's just how it is. But I remember so long ago, having flunked out of German language school, aber übrigens, ich kann Deutsch sprechen und predigen und beten und so weiter. So I don't want you to think I didn't learn German, but I did, otherwise I'd have been fired. That's what my mission told me. And that was not a bad rule, that you have to learn the language of the people where you are. 
I remember standing at the door of the Technical University with Light for the Lost Literature. And on the other side of the door were the communists. And, and they had several groups at that Technische Uni in München and Munich. Uh, and I laughed. I said, they're no more unified than the church is. What a terrible thing to say. And God came. As I'm standing at that door, Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, friends, and he put his arm around me. And my hands and feet are numb. And I said, I'll be the last person at this door. Nobody's ever out going to outstand me standing here handing out the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll die at this door. And I was always the last person to leave for literature distribution of the gospel. And Jesus said, I've been waiting so long for somebody to come here for me. So he's calling you to this city where the world has come, as you well know. Or he's calling you to all those countries out there. And all those tables out there, every one of them that represent a ministry are begging for workers that are good people and team players and know the word of God and walk in humility and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's calling today. I'll never forget Jesus coming alongside of me at the door of the technical university. I turn this microphone over to somebody, but you can stand. This could be your day. Number one, lordship. Who's lord? Who's in charge of the kingdom? As Dallas Willard would say, if you're in charge of your own kingdom, you have to do a lot of lying. Who's in charge of the kingdom? Is it Jesus? You will never regret doing that. You're young and peer pressure is strong. But frankly, every one of us should come to the altar and say, Jesus, one more time, I declare that you are Lord. Because the Lord of the harvest made only one prayer request, and it was for workers. And we're out in that field, and we're old, and we need to be replaced by people that can do everything ten times better than us. And he's calling. So I ask you to make that decision today if you haven't made it before.